Hey, howdy, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Culture's Corner. You know it, the best talks and opinions this corner of the globe. Today, if you are listening and you've been following League of Legends and you just watched the Collegiate League of Legends Championship end and you saw Maryville take it in a 3-0, I believe. I won't, I won't lie. I tuned out after game two because it went from a very close series to a not-so-close series at all. And I, today, am joined by Coco, the dragon, Mr. Cole Danley. The Cole train is back, man. How you oh, doing? No. We haven't talked since MSI. Yeah, we're back at it, dude. And to be honest, like with the whole Seelol uh, Grand Finals, if you watched MSI and you watched Team Liquid vs. G2, you pretty much got the same story. Like, it's the same 3-0. <laughs> very quick, very concisive. And it's like, yeah, that's how it goes. But it, so far, it was still a fun series to watch. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think... There aren't too many people that really believed that the uh, University of Western Ontario could beat Maryville University. They were just... They were just too strong across the map, and it was honestly supposed to be UCI versus Maryville. So, I mean, it was great for those Western Ontario boys to make that upset. Now, either way, everyone's leaving yeah. with scholarship money, so everybody's happy. It's all for the glory. But we're going to go ahead and talk... Power rankings as we get closer to the NALCS starting up this season. The summer 2019 season is right around the corner. And I know you were excited to talk about this. You were rearing to, to give people your power rankings. Are they super spicy? What, what what you got for us today? You know, well, I'm going a little bit more untraditional in the power rankings because I don't think it's really healthy, especially in the LCS, to really put like a best of the best or the worst of the worst for any of the teams so grouping them into a more digestive style to where you have the people that are achieving those goals that they want to be in the international scene they want to go to worlds and then the others that are still finding their identity and then the others that are just don't know what is going on and they're just grasping at straws to figure out what they need to do to prepare for next season so the prior rankings for me are sort of again conglomerating those top teams into those styles and into those groups i'm gonna run back for us before we get into this the spring 2019 final standings it was team liquid number one cloud nine number two both with the same record but tiebreaker gave team liquid the number one spot team solo mid coming in third FlyQuest and Golden Guardians, again, another spot. Fourth and fifth, but Tiebreaker is what gave FlyQuest that slot. And then Echo Fox 6, CLG and Optic Gaming tying for seventh. And then Clutch Gaming and 100 Thieves rounding it out at ninth and tenth. So I, I, I'd expect the first team on your power rankings, and I'm going to brief everybody. We're going to go this top three teams, bottom three teams, and then one dark horse for the top three. And I expect to see team liquid in your top three although i don't really know after the way you sounded where they're going to end up in the top three well yeah they're in that grouping they are having that global goal to achieve and make it back into worlds and try and sort of redeem themselves from their hopeful msi performance that i'd say was something that left a lot to be sort of desired for and so team liquid C9 and TSM are, of course, those top three. They're the ones that you know they are able to really deal with every other team in the LCS. The lineups aren't really a problem. They've, they're either star-studded, you have the money that talks for Team Liquid, and now it's showing that it can actually walk as well. And then for uh, TSM, 
it's really just sort of getting out of that slow start through every single split where they just sort of sit in this weird scenario of saying okay what exactly are we and then they are able to make it into playoffs for sure i mean team solomon i'm a, I'm a very avid yeah. team solomon fan when it comes to watching lcs and it's always been about the bottom lane these last couple years and how they perform. We went from Doublelift being in our bottom lane with uh, Biofrost, then we had Doublelift, and then we had Sven and Mithy, I'm sorry. So, you know, now it's Sven and Smoothie, and it's always just odd just seeing how the team evolves around that lane. Although we know Broken Blade's great, Bjergsen is good, Acadian's been solid in the jungle. Team Solmid, these last few years, have really lived and died by their bot lane, especially the last few splits. And that's where I'm gonna be looking uh, when I talk about my power rankings, uh, uh, you know, what Team Solomon, who to be looking for, who are the highlighted players. But um, Coco, go ahead and, and give us your top, your, your top three power rankings, your bottom three power rankings, and then your dark horse and why. So for the top three again, it is going to be Cloud9, Team Solo Mid, and Team Liquid. And luckily, they actually all share sort of the same problem, where the bottom lane is sort of a catalyst to some more team-wise problems. And then for the bottom three, it would be Optic Gaming, Clutch Gaming, and then it would be... Uh, who was it? I'm trying to remember. Uh, uh, yes, 100 Thieves, because... It's just their spring split performance was so weird, and it's something that had a lot to be desired for. It's just that odd question of, is it going to be able to be fixed? And I just don't know if it's going to be fixed or not, and that's just a huge concern. And then, of course, for the Dark Horse, I actually think FlyQuest might be able to upset a lot of those top contenders in my top three, and maybe even take it to like a third place. They might even knock down one of those teams depending if they have a lackluster performance in the either probably the beginning of the split so i'd really watch out for them their team comp that also is not really demanding of resources they play a lot of utility carries and utility control mages that both po belter and wild turtle are able to sort of be those pillars and those veterans in the team and really let viper who is now the top laner for them to just pop off and really do what he wants it's really interesting that you had FlyQuest as your dark horse because they're they're my dark horse too, and for almost the same reasons. And it's really can Viper and Poe Belter continue the performance they had during the spring split? I feel like their solo laners really opened things up and allowed Wild Turtle and JJ to play the bottom lane without a lot of pressure, yeah. which meant that they could win a lot of those two v two lanes. And that just translated smoothly into their mid game. They just ended up snowballing against people. And the times when they faltered, uh, playoffs is a great example. It was when Poe Belter didn't have the best of playoffs. And then Viper was kind of left alone on this hill that he had to die on, basically, because he'd be the only person toward the mid game that was close to being equal in goal to his counterpart and could actually do anything. And by that time, it was over. For my bottom three, I'll start with those because I was actually surprised that you had 100 Thieves in the bottom three. I have Echo Fox, CLG, and Clutch Gaming. And all three of them really had to do with just how... It's a lot of spring split. For Clutch Gaming, to me, it's uh, the AD carry situation. For me, it's never really a question of if Piglet is going to get subbed out. If there's a AD carry sub, it's mm -hmm. win. And then Cody Sun coming off the bench, how can he play after his runs from... Uh, 
uh, Immortals to 100 Thieves and that falling out with Aphromu to now on Clutch Gaming. McSrag, how well will he be able to coach these guys and do their picks and bans draft strategy? And how willing are they to listen to this guy? You have a lot of veterans on this squad. I think the only two that haven't had two plus years of experience playing is DeMonte and Vulcan. And everyone else has been a star at some point when they were playing. Lyra, Huni, and Piglet. CLG is just a whole mess. I don't... They, have, uh, they still haven't announced a top laner. Uh, no, no, so all it's I can ruined. assume... It's ruined. It's ruined. Oh, you're right. It's ruined. Okay. CLG's I was going to say I was going to assume it's Fallen Bandit. But it's ruined. And Fallen Bandit is now a sub. Okay. Well, that makes it a little bit better. But then again, Ruin, when he was in EU didn't have the best of time when he was on, I believe it was Giants. So, I don't know how much of an upgrade that will be versus Darshan. I believe Darshan did stay on to join in the coaching staff, so maybe they can work together. But you have Wiggly in the jungle, who's still pretty young, versus a really, really stacked jungle pool for, with a lot of veterans that he has to face up against, at least if you want to face the top six teams alone. Hello? Power of Evil... Uh, sticks, I mean, it's going to take a, some time. I think summer split, spring split, they tried to keep it together. They tried to just go with Weldon's coaching as the fix, and it didn't really work. Summer split, I think they at least have this one as a mulligan because of the roster change. And you just hope in 2020 that they can get better or make better roster moves. And then Echo Fox rounds out because this is also a team where even though they have Song... And I really want to see how well he does bringing this team back around. I think Rush and Phoenix are too volatile of variables to really penetrate maybe the top six. They can probably give teams like Golden Guardians and Optic and FlyQuest to run for their money. Maybe. FlyQuest, I'm not so sure. But uh, other than that, they're just too volatile in, in two of the most important roles right now. So, and then there's 100 Thieves. Who, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, you have Aphromoo on 100 but, Thieves. And then like, you have he's 100 really Thieves who, and I, I think that they could actually be a lot better than you give credit for. Well. Like, don't know if they can beat the top four, there, but, but they, they can definitely give them a run for their money. I think that their issue was the fact that they counted on Huhi a little bit too much for shot calling. Who he's always been great as a rotational player, but CLG did this, and that's where oh, they so started to kind of fall yeah, to. Was so they relied on him for shot academy. calling, and he's never it's, really been, in my mind, the best shot caller. Maybe and they have was, that capability to actually do what probably demanded or required of them, where who he and uh, Fragus really couldn't do it, or Onda as it is. Yes, Illegal. Mm hmm. And that's the thing. That's the thing is, I, if I remember correctly in an interview, that the it, I think it was probably said that they give a lot of their early game shot calling, they gave a lot of it to Huhi because he was that rotational player that liked to roam the side lanes. The issue is, 
when that wasn't successful, when his shot calling was off, a lot of for a team that really has that place? really <laughs> builds into the mid game, just it's the meta. You have to win the early game, or at least do well to set yourself up for success in the mid game. But when that's not happening, Hunter Thieves never could find that success. The bomb lane was always behind. Yeah. Someday was literally the only person having good games. Onda was young, and I, I never thought he could be that that prodigy that could turn into something like a contracts or even a Dardock, something where they, he just takes over the game even at a young age. And... Uh, well, because FlyQuest was so good. And also, it's, I like this is 50-50 that these two moves are great and, and they work. And there's another 50 that it's like, oh, it's a flop. Uh, FlyQuest is a lot more assured that they're probably going to be very good going into this next split and can they challenge. Can anywhere, Thieves, yeah. Like you said, it's... Yeah. Well, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But I think they made the right move, especially picking up Amazing. That was a great pickup because now Saligo doesn't have to do that much shot calling like who he did. Amazing can take over the early. Afrimu takes over the late. And all Saligo has to do is be that DeMonte, be that new rookie mid laner. Just has to focus on his lane and listening to these veterans. Yeah, I love And then my group. top three so is the same like, as you. Really I think I have, I have a Team Liquid, like, Cloud9, Team Solar, but really... They could you don't think go of in them to be any the, real way, like, yeah, because they all, like you said, are the same issues. Now for I just think Team Liquid's better at having those issues solved than Team Solo made. Cloud9 only above Team Solo really because their bomb lane has been together for longer, and therefore they're not going to have those inherent issues most of the time when their draft is fine. But who knows what Reaper wants to do with the subs? That's the big question mark. What's Reaper going to do each game day with who he subs in? And how well Svenskeren and Golden Glue work together as the Swole Bros? Like... They could possibly take it, and they were the best record team in the last season of Worlds too. Season eight Worlds, they did the best out of all the NA teams, and as much as a meme they are, they are such a 50-50 that if you get them on a good day, they really have one of the best international performances out of the uh, North American scene. I think a lot of that performance, domestic and internationally, of course, he hasn't played with them internationally just yet, but Niski, the way that they were able to slot him in, so almost there was a few hiccups, but as the season progressed, nearly effortless, effortlessly for Jensen was really great. It, and I ha it has a lot to do with, in my mind, how they swapped up how the team played around the mid lane with Jensen and... I feel like you'll agree. It was a lot of, we I play guess, through yeah. mid, Jensen either wins lane, goes even, or finds a way to open things up for Svenskeren, and then Svenskeren can influence uh, usually the bottom lane because impact was usually fine on an island alone in the top lane in any matchup, or he can go pressure the enemy jungler depending on how good they were. If it's an Smithy, then he might just go focus lane and make sure that he doesn't lose jungle control. If it's something like, uh, like a... Anda, he's going to get up in Anda's face and become old Sven Scaren and look for solo kills and just make your life a living hell. And, you know, it's because Niski control mages. 
really great on him. I, I looked up his stats on Oracle Elixir. He was second in KDA, fourth in kill participation, 12th in death percentage, and then fifth in DPM, damage per minute. And that speaks to me as... And, and he was actually really far behind in a lot of the laning stats, like CS, experience. And that just speaks to me that this guy doesn't win lane. He just plays an Orianna, plays a Cassiopeia, where he just makes sure that the enemy mid laner is contained, doesn't leave, allows Finscaren to still do what he used to do with Jensen, but just not as aggressively. And then as long as they get to the mid game fine, he's great in team fights, great in rotations, great in helping Sneaky and Zazil get ahead and just take over games. And that's where if they can execute that against a team yeah, solo mid or team much. liquid, like, you, you I think it'll work. But the problem is you have Bjergsen, Jensen on both those teams. Really stole uh, words out of my mouth. On honestly, this is why this is Broken Blade and Licorice can keep up with, or Broken Blade and Impact like, can hey, keep man, up with Licorice in my mind. This, so and Finscaren, I don't think, is taking control of the Top game in the like jungle against Exmithian Acadian like that. And that's where you're right. It's going to come down to Reaper. How does he swap things up with the substitutions, with how they play, like, to it's nice throw a left hook, a blind left hook at these the teams sort of that they don't see coming. Narrative that Season 9 is play your own style. And I think that's really what is going to be really healthy for all these teams, is the fact that you need to uncover who you are. You can't just say, oh, well, I'm like a slightly less good version. What am I even thinking? A worse version of Jensen, or I'm a worse version of Double Lift. Like you can't think of that. You got to say I am mm -hmm. freaking Arrow here on Optic Gaming, and I'm going to be Arrow. Like I'm, I'm Pole Belter. I'm going to be Pole Belter. So it's it's things that you all the teams below those top three are having that identity sort of crisis, whether it be midlife and really uncovering what they are and buying a Porsche, or if they're just really just saying, oh well. Let's see what we do. Let's how how does traditional meta style go? No, you put tanks up in the top lane. Where does that figure out? And that's I think the interesting part of the summer split is it's going to be everyone else preparing for the next season and trying to <laughs> upset each other while the top three have almost always been those global goals and just making sure that they have the star-studded lineup ready and primed for the international competition because. MSI proved us that we can upset people, we can upset uh, IG, even though I wouldn't really call it an upset too much, but honestly, EU is probably our worst enemy at this moment. Yeah. Oh, we, we'll beat them in Rift Rivals. They want it, they want it gone. G2 Perks wants Rift Rivals gone because he doesn't want to lose. So let's just, let's as it is. Yeah. Like, you just deal with it. So it just gives us more time to theorycraft some more broken metas, hopefully. Maybe we are able to master our Yumi playstyle and really start to throw it in for them. Get the cat power on them. Yeah, they, they're public enemy number one. Uh, just... Cause they're they're always gonna gloat, and you know what? Even if we beat them at Worlds, they're still gonna hold us over us. We got we have we have Rift Rivals coming up that we need to beat them in, so that's that's at least something. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Both of those have their own strengths yes. and weaknesses. Uh, it's, it's a, a, Rift Rivals, in my opinion, is the, the, narrative it's is the, yourself, it's the true it test of skill because it's not just one team really has been. going at it. It's the collective, and EU has always been fragmented. They don't, they don't believe in each other. It, they had to force each other to tweet out support during MSI. Elsewise, the fans would have gotten angry. While we are better as a collective because America. America's always been about we, us. The free, the true, the brave. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. True, very true. Uh, and talking about being being ourselves or yourself, let's reel it back in domestically. We have a little bit of extra time. What do you think about Optic Gaming and Golden Guardians? Um, they're the only teams we haven't really touched or talked about besides a quick reference. And speaking of, if any teams need to find so their the, style, the I think Golden Guardians was on track for it as the season started to wrap up. But Optic Gaming, and it's things that I, I just don't are... know. They have a split. They, they have just a, sort of restructured themselves. One trick again. split push like in the top lane, Dokla. Dardock and Meteos sort of battling it out for the jungle position. And then the rest remember, of the map on the bottom half is just. You have Crown, who I don't think they ever figured out how they're going they to correctly utilize in that entire season. Entirely. They picked up and then Arrow and Big is always losing. Their academy team, and they're trying to and push the fact that they're like, okay, we are a 10-man roster. But the problem with having your narrative of being a 10-man roster is you're never going to be able to put all of your men on the ice when you're playing a best-of-one series. So you can't use that that strength in numbers factor until you get to those best of fives those best of threes where you're able to start exploiting and sort of tr sort of try and trick your opponent into the drafting phases and how the play styles of synchronicity between like mid jungle or top jungle would work so for them they have like the future plan they have their long-term investment already stretched out but their short term is just so awkward and chaotic because of the fact that they've don't really have any meta or like compositional style that complements their players. Sure, Alorum, like Alorim will be able to play Scion top, but Scion top's not in meta anymore. A lot of the tanks have fallen off. Yes, play your style, but when you're being taken down by almost every single top laner in those matchups, and then the bottom lane is pretty much telling you the same story, you don't really get the crown that we expect and the crown that we want. So even with Medios and Dardoch trying to do as much as possible, when you have three people really dragging in the mud, you, you can't really have any sense of carry potential. And the times that Optic did win and has won is when they have pretty much laboratory conditions where everything is passive, both teams are really playing the same style, and nothing happens for like 25 minutes, and they're able to get to the point where it is that late game investment sort of like how golden guardian strength in is okay we got to this stage where we're confident with each other now we can actually start practicing our macro rotations finishing objective control warding properly and that's really how that issue with optic has been is that they just don't understand fully what their players can do or should do and you know who i blame all this on and i've been blaming it since he got the job day one Zabu team. I wouldn't blame Zabu team. No, I don't know about that I, one, Chief. I, I, I had, to, I had to find somebody because who else, who, who else is in charge of the team? Has been in charge of this team for the past, 
uh, year or so, for past two or three splits, has Arrow and Crown on his team, has Darduck, who, who despite his issues and flaws, is a jungle prodigy, and has serviceable supports, not only in sub, but as a starter. And he has Meteos on his roster, yeah. and can't turn this team into a, a winning roster, to at least take, you know, be middle of the pack. Like, half the time, they're not even middle of the pack. And I think it's just, he hasn't really asked enough of Dokla in the top lane. Now, I know, like, it's hard to get a guy to just suddenly take on a whole bunch of different champions in a season. Mm -hmm. But you at least got to start working toward it. Their in-game strategy never looks good. Again, like I said, they just look like individual players sometimes, like solo queue within a cohesive team. And he hasn't started steering this ship in a direction that can give Optic Gaming fans faith. And honestly, of course, it's not all on him. There are other factors, like the fact that sometimes Dardock is a mess and they had to sub in Meteos, that Optic Gaming was kind of the last to the table, not only when they first got into franchising for players, but even in the last few roster manias, they've sort of been the last to the table to pick up players, even though I think that they pretty much wasted Acadian. And I don't even get me started on that. <laughs> and, but I think a, a big part of it does lay at the coach's feet to be like, hey, you have two superstar players. One is a former world champion, a Medios, who is a legendary jungler, at least domestically, if not internationally, a young prodigy jungler that you can mold. Yeah, your top laner is a one trick, but you know what? You had time. Get get him to play tanks first, you know, that slow progression and something you can work with. And start taking games off of at least get teams like Clutch Gaming and Echo Fox and CLG and Golden Guardians before they get, like, he's had time and he hasn't done anything with it. It's like when yeah. in the NBA, they give coaches these days at least two seasons, maybe three if they're lucky, to turn the ship around. And if you can't, then you're gone. Unless it's part of a process. But I don't see any process happening here. A lot of what you had given example for sort of this fact that like they have these renowned players that Zabatine hasn't been able to really create or mold anything with the resources and the tools that those individuals have it, it's sort of echoing sort of the 100 thieves markup with Prawley where he had the massive lineup like you like you said with Aphromoo and Someday and Bang and you instead of appraising Optic for saying let's give him a chance let's try and figure it out because like the players are not as decorated and the coaches not even close to being as decorated as probably has been with his eu record it sounds like you're sort of talking down to them in that point and that's where i find a little bit of an awkwardness with it because well it, it feels awkward because you're I mean, you're saying like 100 thieves literally just crapped the bed in spring split but let's give them a chance because they got probably and they've got these big big guys coming in and they've got amazing coming in where it's like optic crap but they the bed. they get a pass they get a pass because they made worlds in their first season yeah, they made that's worlds. the pass you're giving them and i as a short term for both these teams this is just summer split for long term yes 100 thieves is still better than optic but for the short term for summer split right now optic is in that same seat where they're still where both of them are like okay what exactly do we want to achieve with this composition and for 100 thieves it's because of that extremely poor performance in spring split where optic gaming it is that consistent record of having that poor performance so in that answer for optic it's the fact that i think they are really trying to f sort of 
play a meta and play a regional meta instead of uncovering really what their self-identity is. And that's where you could put the blame on Zabatine, where he's saying, this is currently the strongest regional meta. Let us use it. Let us practice ourselves and refine ourselves around it, where maybe the team doesn't play like that and doesn't really have an answer to it. And that's the issue that they're having. So that would be that partial problem for Zabatine. But the rest of the players are in that same spot where they're saying, look, they need to talk up they need to speak up and have that conversation with that with the coaching staff and with the team behind them with the support team that they have and say this is what i'm bringing to the table recognize my strengths recognize all of our strengths and let's build something together instead of just being the copy pasta that na has been for literally the last eight seasons coco you, you always gotta bring the uber logical into it uh, and you make valid points all, all I'm saying is is probably probably made a, you're, you're right. I do give them that benefit of the doubt basically because probably not only his passive success, but they made a they made a uh, a international tournament yep. in his first year, and it's a little bit more nuanced than just the recent inability for success. It's that Zabatini has been here for what now about th- almost three splits, two or three, maybe longer. And I haven't seen any progress toward getting better. There was a small glimpse when uh, Caden was on the roster. And even when uh, Dardock first kind of came, it was a small glimpse of Optic getting better. But it wasn't anything that was sustainable. It didn't last. And it just seems like they always kind of come back to square one. And I think you're right. It has to do with they uh, Zabatine for a lot of his inexperience. And we got to give him the benefit of the doubt on that, I guess. He's not a Prawley. He's not in a Nero or a song where... Yeah. He has a ton of coaching experience. Uh, he's stuck on that mindset of, hey, this is the way we're playing the meta in North America. It's the most successful, whether it's percentages from his analyst team or what have you. We're going to try and do it this way instead of finding their own style. But we're we're going to start wrapping this one up. We're going to go over to Golden Guardians. I want to I know your thoughts on this team, too, because they started to look a lot better toward the back end of the split. I'm still a little bit shaky. And Nero's the coach. Uh, do you think they can find any more success than they had in the spring split? Or do you think that for now, at least for 2019, they've kind of hit their ceiling and they have to wait till 2020? I'm confident that they can find some performance uh, improvements for this split. Like, almost 100% confidence. Because they are at that stage where they had, in the middle of the split, sort of figured out their tempo and figured out their flow. And going into sort of that scenario where they went from being pretty much the bench warmer of 2018 sitting in 10th place for both spring and summer split and then making that rebound during the spring split of season nine to pretty much even out their win-loss record and go nine and nine and having that massive spike of improvement you got to give it to possibly an arrow finding really the momentum and sort of the identity of what his team is sort of trying to aim for you've got Froggen being that massive pillar in the mid lane pretty much being able to play almost anything at the level of the top three teams in the lcs and yeah he he's washed like you could say he's washed up but i being one of probably actually he's my he's my favorite dane honestly in the lcs <laughs> like he's such a cool guy it Froggen has this capability to consistently grind the game and maybe it doesn't improve himself it 
will actually sometimes improve the teammates around him more often than not. And I think that's what's so great about Froggen is that he's really able to help out these young bloods and individual talents really start to rise up. And now that you had Hanson on the team, you have a little bit more of the stability on the top side, and now you can work with contracts and work with the bottom lane to really just create that official identity and understand what you're doing. Because Honestly, Golden Guardians is probably the most anime of these teams. Like, C9 is a meme, and of course, they're <laughs> animes, and of course, you've got, like, the bottom lane, which is kind of a trap. But, like, you've got freaking Hanser, Frog, and Deathly, and Ole. Like, you've got these potential. They are truly the ragtag. Yeah, they're the ragtag team. Like, they're honestly the kind of like Naruto. It's just like, we're not the best. We're still trying to figure out who exactly we are, but. God damn it, believe in us, please. So that's really how I see it for them. Like, <laughs> I, I think they can pull it off. I, I really have a lot of trust in them. Yeah, they truly are the expendables. And I'm, I'm, it's an interesting point you brought up about Froggen because I think that was the effect that people thought Piglet was going to have on some of his old squads before he got to Clutch Gaming. And on Team Liquid was, well, if it wasn't for the you know, sparks of immaturity that really made tensions worse in the Team Liquid house when he was on the team. True. It was, he's not a vocal leader, but his work ethic is going to bring everybody else up with him because they'll be like, damn, this guy works hella hard. I'm going to work just as hard as he does. And I wouldn't even say Froggen's washed. I think he said it, he said it and hit the nail on the head is when you're on a team where, you know, you're, uh, your side lanes aren't doing well, your jungler isn't doing that well, your strategy isn't working, then your only his only choice was to play the same picks over and over again because that was what gave him the highest chance of success mm -hmm. in those splits, and that's all he could play. So people, a Nivea one trick, you know, he played the victor for forever, but it's like, well, there's the control mages in the mid lane that gives me the highest chance of getting out of lane alive and having an impact later on in the game because my side lanes aren't good. Yeah. Now, definitely has definitely matured into that 80 carry role. I think a lot of that has to deal with Ole, and Ole is doing much better because I think it's a less pressured environment. I think Team Liquid, the the expectations of that team, the pedigree, would start to, there was too much pressure, and not in a bad way. I mean, some people just aren't built that way to where if they don't have a strong support system within the team, then it's just hard for them to deal with that sort of pressure. He's helping definitely mature and also helping the team possibly with strategy. And that just did Hauntster, finally came online contracts we already knew he was good he just needed to find another home after cloud nine and it looks like that's there and a lot of this does have to do with a nero i think a nero came in with a plan and the team is just executing on it and it's one it is the true definition of the process where it's like i'm coming in guys we're not going to win immediately but if you believe in what we're trying to do yeah then we're going to start seeing results and, and they yeah. are and i think and that's, the expendables that's now turning into the a team that <clears throat> to cut you off is actually perfect to compare golden guardians and optic is golden guardians is what optic could be this split like that whole little bit more performance sabotee might finally pick up his momentum and really get going so that's what i think is the possibility and it's it's really sort of that narrative to set for myself coming into the summer split is optic could be golden guardians and golden guardians could possibly be one of the new top dogs and really sort of take a big fight with not just FlyQuest, who I still think is that big dark horse. Golden Guardians is the underdog. So that's really that massive narrative for them. 
We'll certainly be looking out for it. Hey, man, we're running up on our time. I know you got to get somewhere else. You have another another engagement, speaking engagement to get to, so I won't hold you. Just want to say thanks again for joining the show. And we'll, the Cold Train, guys, it's always going to be a regular thing. It might not be every single week, obviously, but expect to see this duo again and again and again because, as you put it so well, we have the same mind, which makes it so great because – we can just talk about the same things because we understand it. I'm going to have so, to start playing devil's again, advocate, man. though, because, goodness gracious, <laughs> I, want, I want some tension between us. I want us to start arguing like a some spiciness. old couple or something because that would be great, you know, get some, get yeah, some you can be stuff in. You can be my Max from first take, but don't be the Skip Bayless, please. That's all I. That's all I ask. Don't, don't go full Skip Bayless on me. That will not be a good look. But no uh, you enjoy your rest of the night, man. And uh, we'll be seeing everybody later on the next episode of Culture's Corner.